Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode. Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage, a podcast dedicated to the growth, development, and advancement of teamwork, leadership, and culture. Hi, my name is Greg Gregory, and that's what I call the TLC of business. And in today's world, ever changing as it is, these are three critical areas for business. Today, we're fortunate to be joined by Dan Gray. Dan has got over 10 years of experience in growing both a consumer and a B2B business. Dan completely understands the challenges necessary to build teams designed for hyper growth. Scaling is so important today, and we're going to talk about that, how we scale up and scale down. Currently, he's the general manager of Cotton, and that's K-O-T-N, Supply, a provider of ethically made, high-quality company apparel. Dan is focused on helping teams, communities generate engagement through amazing customer merchandise. Dan Gray, welcome to the Teamwork Advantage. Thank you. What an intro. I, I, uh, I appreciate it. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're excited about this. I'm always excited to talk about people who have worked in hyper growth, small businesses, startups, and things of that nature, how they did it. But before we get into that with you at Cotton, tell us a little bit about you. And I mean, you didn't wake up one morning right out of high school and say, I'm going to get into the supply chain world. So tell us what happened. Yeah, I think for me, you know, when I look at my path to, to business and marketing specifically, uh, it was as straight and narrow as it gets. You know, I always sort of uh, had a curiosity around the space. I love the idea of bringing uh, really cool products to consumers, be it through technology or physical goods. And so over the last 10 years, I've been fortunate enough to work in some pretty small companies and see them grow. You know, I was employee 10 at a, a very fast-paced, uh, high-growth healthcare startup a few years back, uh, and now at Cotton joined around employee 10 as well, and we're up to about 60 uh, employees. And I think for me, it's always just been about, you know, what's the purpose? What are we building towards here? Um, and how can I find opportunities to help me grow? Because at the end of the day, I look at a job as just someone paying me to learn. Uh, in a smaller <laughs> company, I love that statement. Do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's a, it's a ethos that I, I try to live by and um, take advantage of that as much as possible. Yeah, and it's so important because a lot of folks think that once they get a job or once they get into a management role or the next level they get, they become complacent. And using a way to continually grow is a powerful tool. So there's no doubt. Uh, and you've, you've definitely done that. So talk to me a little bit about cotton and then cotton supply because they're two different businesses and you were on one side, which is the consumer side. Now you're on the B2B side, right? Yes, exactly. So, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to meet the founders of Cotton uh, probably, you know, halfway through their journey. Cotton now is, is a seven-year-old business. Uh, started with a pretty simple vision of creating a better t-shirt. So uh, our founders naively went to the source. They went to Egypt and uh, met with farmers there and, and sort of discovered this amazing material, which is Egyptian cotton. And, you know, through the course of the business's evolution, what they've been able to do is create this ethical supply chain where we have what 
what we call 100% traceability, meaning that we're one of 5% of the apparel industry that knows exactly where their raw materials are coming from and every single step in their supply chain. So, um, you know, we're fortunate enough to work in a business that sells a really amazing product and we're doing something that uh, really is moving the industry forward. And so um, for those interested in cotton, you know, that's a consumer facing brand where they can go and buy ethical staples like t-shirts, sweatshirts, uh, home goods, you know, amazing Egyptian cotton sheets. Um, and then, you know, the business took a step back a few years ago and said, hey, we built this incredible supply chain. How do we take what we've built there and apply it to the promotional goods industry? Because, you know, if you think about how far the apparel industry needs to come when it comes to traceability, ethics, uh, and just how materials are sourced, the same problem is happening in promotional goods where a lot of people are just putting money into merchandise for their companies, for their end consumers, and the quality is just not there. And so we figured, okay, we have this incredible asset that is our supply chain. Why not take that and enable companies and communities to tap into that and start creating merchandise that gets the people that, you know, they care about most consuming something from them that makes them want to keep it around. So, you know, you're wearing that incredible polo today. Uh, and I, I see how much pride you have in, in being able to, uh, to represent your brand. And we want employees to feel that way that when they put on a cotton supply uh, piece of merchandise mm -hmm. with, with their company or team's logo on it. That, that that's awesome because now you're hitting, you know, it, it's a bad pun to say it here. You're hitting both the consumer business to consumer B to C and B to B businesses. So you're kind of covering the spectrum there. And uh, as you just launched the, when did you launch the supply part, the B to B part? When was that launched? Yeah. So that, that business was, was conceived at say about three years ago. Uh, okay. I actually only started working on our wholesale business a, a few months back. You know, I've, I've passively been supporting the team there, but what I'm really excited about is, is taking uh, that business and finding a way to accelerate its growth. Because as, as you sort of alluded to there, having two business models, one going directly to consumers and one through businesses, there's a lot of ways we can, we can leverage both, you know, People yeah. find out about our consumer business, they wear our t-shirt and then they go, you know, how can I get my company um, to, to leverage this product as well? So I'm excited about the connection between the two because ultimately it just grows our ecosystem and um, it accelerates our impact across the entire world. Yeah, and knowing the sustainability and where it came from and the, the tracing of it is so important today for so many people. Um, primarily in the younger generation side, they're more conscientious about that. And I think that's such a powerful way to be able to go. Now, with that in mind, you guys have grown pretty quickly. You, you're employee number 10 and you're up to, what'd you say now, 60? Is that right? Yeah, something like that. It's hard to keep track of the number because it, uh, it keeps moving upward. But yeah, we're, we're around 60 employees in our Toronto office. Okay. And by the way, yeah, that's right. You are calling in and uh, checking in with us today from Toronto, Canada. So that's, that's really a great thing to think about is you're not just in one place with the technology today, you are globally uh, offering your products and goods. So let's talk a little bit about when you're trying to grow quickly, whether you're trying to grow steadily. I mean, I go back to the old Southwest airlines, the way they grew was a consistent percentage every single year, good year, bad year, they grew at a very consistent rate. My question with you is, you know, as you get into this and you were on the B2C side, now B2B, how do you create alignment? How can you keep people motivated and focused on a mission when you're in a hyper growth mode? 
That's a great question. So I think for me, the first thing that it boils down to is growth for the sake of growth doesn't benefit anyone, right? Mm-hmm. If you're just trying to grow the top line as a, as a pretty metric and there's, there's nothing to back that up, those targets don't feel achievable. And I've right. been on the other side of that where I've been handed uh, you know, targets, go hit these, and you don't really understand the logic behind how these came about. That, that becomes a problem. And so I'd say the first thing in generating alignment is understanding how that growth is supposed to be achieved and what is the benefit of achieving that growth? Because not all growth is good. It's actually, it's actually something that um, I, I've seen. So I think that's the first thing is, okay, what are we trying to grow for? And in our case, growth affords us the ability to expand our supply chain. It, it, it affords us the ability to continue expanding and bringing our product to more people. Um, we also have some, some really amazing uh, social responsibility programs that we run out of Egypt. Uh, Cotton's built and maintains 10 schools in Egypt to help improve the literacy rate and, and improve education uh, in the communities where we operate. So I think for us, it's, it's that alignment and that uh, connection to the mission. Um, we're fortunate because it's not hard to create that thread. I would say for organizations where um, growth is about accessing that next round of capital, it's about the ability to go and hire more people uh, to con- continue bringing uh, your product to a larger audience. Okay. As a manager, what I find very useful is almost creating like a pyramid of how, you know, those sales, how that revenue trickles down all the way to your team. You know, what does revenue look like uh, to a sales team? What does it look like to a customer success team? What does it look like to an operations team? Mm-hmm. There should be different different levers that they can pull on to ultimately map to the company's success. Because you never want someone to, to operate on an island where it feels like the work they're doing doesn't link back to, to that North Star for the business. And how do you do that? How do you keep people on cross departments, whether it's the sales team, the operations team, wherever? How do you keep people both engaged, motivated, focused on the mission, vision, and values of Cotton? I think it's repetition. I think that's a big thing. Okay. Uh, as a leader, I think your job is to continue instilling the why behind what you're doing as a business. I think our leadership team does an amazing job of this. And you know, me as a, as a department lead and division leader, I have to take that and, and also make sure that you know, we're talking about that every day. Because for us, it's easy to talk about growth. It's easy to talk about sales. But there's an end consumer there and there's a, there's a supply chain that we're trying to make better and we're trying to evolve. And so um, you never want it to be just about a number. Uh, no. This is why I always encourage my team to do customer interviews, to send out customer surveys, to spend time with the, the end consumer, because I think this is one of the biggest plagues that's happened as a result of a lot of the world going digital is we've lost that one-to-one relationship with our customer which is why I'm really excited to be operating on a B2B business because you do get a lot more face-to-face with your customers, but especially with the consumer business, um, it's easy to look at, at consumers as clicks and pixels and you know all those different metrics, but um, bringing the humanity back to that, which I think is, is a huge part of our, our brand story, a cotton being about culture and community. Um, okay. I, I think that helps in, in telling those stories every day is, is how you keep the, the team focused on, on that. And that can be done both on a B2B as well as a B2C side, right? For sure, yeah. I, I, I think 
um, you know, there are, there are definitely parallels you can draw there. I think evangelizing customer stories, though, is something that needs to be done in all businesses. Find okay. your champion customer, um, build that persona, you know, let people on your team feel and understand who that customer is and talk about them as much as possible and bring them to the table when you're making decisions, when you're having conversations about what is right for the customer. Too often we hear, uh, we hear people or uh, individuals on the team say, hey, as the customer, I think we should do this. And the truth is, yes, we are the customer in a lot of cases, but we're, we're very biased. You know, you're, you're the operator here. You can't, you can't speak soberly uh, through the customer's Absolutely. eyes. So, yeah, so, so bringing that customer to the table with you as if they're there. Uh, as if their voice is heard. I think that's a good way to bring objectivity to decision-making and, and making sure that, again, you're, you're thinking about how to better serve them. And, and ultimately that should enable you to achieve your goals. Mm -hmm. So now what we're talking about is a level of the customer experience on that side. And when we get the customer engaged, creating a great experience for them, that in turn, if I'm following you here, that in turn drives back the morale of the team and keeps the team engaged, wanting to do more for the customer. Am I on the right path? For sure. Yeah. I think again, like a, a company's mission should evolve around either serving a customer, a community, some sort of stakeholder. Uh, and so when, when that mission centers around how you better serve your customers, and I would imagine most businesses have something written in their mission statement around, you know, serving our customers through X, Y, and Z. Um, if you're not talking about the customer, that mission is just words, right? It's, it's, it's too intangible. And, and, you know, as, as someone working under that mission, how do you, how do you realize that? How do you feel that every day? And so that human connectivity, I think we are all motivated and, and linked through human connection, I think that just makes it feel a little bit more real. So what are you doing at Cotton specifically to keep, to keep that going and the employee engagement going? I, obviously, yes, talking to the customers. Is there anything else that you're doing at Cotton, especially on your supply side? Yeah, so in terms of keeping the team engaged, I think it starts with, again, what is the goal of the business? And then how does Cotton Supply serve that? Because we are one division of a broader organization. So ensuring that my team knows, okay, Cotton Supply accounts for X percent of our growth. You know, the growth that we drive here enables our supply chain to grow, which enables us to build more schools, which enables us to impact more communities in Egypt. Those links are really important because you see the cause and effect of, of people's actions on the broader impact of the business. Okay. So that's one thing that we try and, and, and reiterate, but as well, we're constantly talking about how our success does ultimately uh, account for improvements across our communities and the way we work. So, you know, for instance, um, we have a, a Black Friday uh, promotion where instead of going on sale, our business actually donates 100% of proceeds uh, towards building our schools in Egypt. And so when we have those amazing milestones like that, we don't just talk about the sales that we drove on those days. We talk about the actual physical impact of building those schools and what the team has done to enable us to get there. Um, and, and so again, I think you know we're in a very uh, we're in a very um, nice place where we we have those uh, really really awesome milestones where we can talk about our community impact. Mm -hmm. I'd say for other businesses that you know aren't necessarily doing activities like that making sure your team understands the why behind 
why their role exists, yes. making sure they understand that, hey, you're not just a job description, you know, you, you serve a purpose in this organization and mm -hmm. uh, we brought you in here to help us grow, to help our customers um, have this amazing experience with our business. You know, that why should be what helps them wake up every day and get excited about working for your company. Mm -hmm. And it's great that you bring that up. So two thoughts here. Number one is how often do you share the progress of what you're doing with the schools and all of the, uh, the whys that you're behind there? How often do you share that back with the team members? So this is one of the things that I've seen evolve a ton at my time, both at Cotton and in other startups as well. Um, that cadence is something you really have to continue evolving because as a company grows, it becomes harder and harder to communicate these things and you need to find the right balance for your organization. So uh, when you're a five person company, you don't need to say that as much because everyone knows it, right? Everyone is hearing about every customer you're working with and every deal that's coming through. Yep. And as you grow as an organization and you, know, you build structure and you have hierarchy, um, it's important to figure out what works for your organization because what works for us is not going to work for you. Some teams might want to hear from you weekly on success. Some want to hear from you uh, monthly. But the important thing is just to listen to your team and listen to uh, the broader organization's feedback and make sure that you're adapting. Because mm -hmm. um, if there's one thing I've learned from, from growing organizations, it's what worked for you six months ago is not going to work for you in, in another six months. So you, oh. you really have to be comfortable with, with changing that. And um, yeah. that goes for how you, how you communicate to the broader organization. And you, that's, that's key because well, let's, let's look at it point blank. You're on the supply side and you've talked about it a little bit already and you're bringing product from Egypt. Mm -hmm. Supply chain issues. How have they affected you and how, has that, how have you adapted during that supply chain issue challenge? Yeah, I would actually say we've been really fortunate. I think this is one of the benefits of us being a, a relatively vertically integrated organization um, because we, we try as, as much as possible to eliminate uh, middlemen and, and sort of things that would ultimately cause uh, us to, to not have control over our supply chain. Um, that traceability, you know, that, that full communication across the supply chain, it's enabled us to actually have pretty, pretty terrific growth over the last few years where we've seen uh, a lot of other retail organizations struggle just in terms of getting shipments <laughs> delivered to, to this side of the border. So um, yeah. we, we've been very fortunate in that regard and we, we definitely don't take that for granted. Um, and that, that's one of the things that continued growth affords us, right? It's, it's that evolution of our supply chain. Um, mm -hmm. We've seen a lot of innovation happening in, in that field as well. And, um, you know, I think the pandemic for better or for worse has, forced retail orgs to rethink how they uh, how they move product across the world because the supply chain is global uh, and ours is no exception. And so, yeah, while we have had a terrific uh, couple of years and, and we've been fortunate in that, you know, our customer has been able to get our product in, in relatively short order, um, we've definitely taken a step back and, and, and thought about how we can uh, continue to, to grow there. The second thing I wanted to bring up was you mentioned it and I thought it was so powerful is sharing the why and why is so so vital um Simon Sinek of course has got one of the best TED talks I've ever watched about it starts with why 
And when we really grasp that and get that in, ingrained into our minds, then the power is there for us to continue to grow and build. And so how hard is it to keep that why forefront of a team today? It's challenging. I, I won't lie. Um, it's something I think you can you can make strides on, even when you're starting to hire people, uh, because you want to make sure that you're bringing individuals onto your team that uh, that share that that innate care for what you're trying to do. Uh, because if you bring in people in, into your organization that don't share that passion, and I'm not saying passion is a prerequisite for for job performance, but it certainly helps. Uh, that that's one of the first ways that that I try and ensure. Um, the team is aligned when it comes to the why behind what we're doing. But again, I, I think it just, it, it comes with reframing the positioning of your organization. So I'll give you an example with Cotton Supply. You know, at, at its core, you could position Cotton Supply as, hey, we just make merchandise. We sell promotional goods. We sell uh, shirts in bulk. But the real why behind why we exist is to give teams and communities this tangible thing that links them to make your employees your best brand ambassador. That why is really strong. And so when we go out and talk to uh, leaders that, that run people teams, that you know, work in HR, that, that um, are leading organizations, and we talk to them about how we can help them improve employee retention, how we can make it so that their employees go to events and go to their families and branded merchandise that you know, gets them excited to wear their, their company at, at their, their, their core, that gets my team excited because it means we're helping our partners it means that we're achieving a, a broader goal. And, and we need to remember that because we don't wanna be the company just, just selling t-shirts. We, we wanna be selling something bigger than that. Um, our company's a, about a lot more than that and our partners know that too. And, and that's also why we're able to attract customers that right. share those values, that want to invest in ethics, that want to invest in their team uh, because they know it's a very competitive job market and the more that they can invest in-, in Really feel like they're part of it. Exactly. You know, it's a, it's a very hard market for employers to retain employees. So the more that you can do to create a deeper connection with your team, mm -hmm. uh, you know, while I don't believe in the, the sort of thought that uh, your company is your family, uh, I think you can at least build relationships with your employees that uh, goes above surface level. Okay. So that ties right into the next question. When you're thinking about getting people going and building the team, and we can step away from cotton specifically now. And my question is, a manager who's listening to the podcast, one of our listeners right now, could be managing a call center, they could be managing an IT desk, they could be managing a frontline assembly, whatever, what advice would you give a frontline manager, or even more importantly, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to step into management for their first role? For sure. So the first thing I would say is I think people tend to, um, they, they tend to get confused between the concepts of management, leadership, and mentorship, right? Those are three different things. Okay. And so a lot of folks, you know, they want to, to get into management because it's something that um, they see they have to do in order to climb the, the career ladder to, to, to continue moving up. But the truth is organizations should create opportunities for people to show leadership and, and provide mentorship to folks without necessarily being a functional manager. And so the first thing I'd say to someone thinking about going into management is, hey, what is, what is my why for doing this? 
You know, is it a box I want to check on my resume or is it because I deeply care about people and I want to align my career success in this role to the success of other people? That's a very, very hard question that takes a lot of introspection to answer. And for some folks, that answer is going to be no, right? It's going to be, hey, I actually really enjoy doing my own work and I don't want to be responsible for the lives and career success of other people. And that's yep. totally fine. An organization should find a way to nurture that talent and enable people that don't want to manage to still be successful, make more money, and continue to find new opportunities for them to grow. Right. It's finding the right levels, of the right follower so to speak. Um, exactly. We teach leadership a lot in this country, in the United States, Canada as well. We teach leadership. We don't really teach followership. Mm. And teaching people how to, if you don't want to step into management, then how can you become a better follower? And yeah, leading towards that. that. In turn, how can the leader become a better leader for a stronger follower? And going in exactly. that direction. That's, that's so critical when we stop to look at that. So what parallels, I guess is the word I'm looking for here, or insights can you draw between growing companies in revenue, which is one aspect of it you talked about, and then growing its culture? Because let's face it, the teamwork advantage is TLC, teamwork leadership culture. We're trying to grow a team. We're trying to grow a business. We need to make profit. But yet we still have to have a culture. What parallels can you draw? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is growth is not is not a cultural pillar, uh, because if growth is is what your culture is built around, what happens when growth stops, right? Yep. Uh, what happens to your culture there, and and what is it that that unifies all of you and that uh, you're working towards? So that that's the first thing that I would say. Um, but a lot of the things that we've been discussing, you know, investing in that why, the repetition of of your company values, that's ultimately what's going to continue to propel you uh, through growth and in the absence of growth. Uh, and so when I think about, you know, how do you generate uh, parallels between growing an organization and growing your team, it's, it's about finding ways to create opportunities, whether it's finding opportunities for your organization to grow through experimentation, through learning, through really strong strategy, um, continuing to look at your business as an organic growing uh, entity and in, in investing in ways to do that it's the same thing with your, your team. You have to look at their careers as things that still need to be shaped. It's continuing to ask the question mm -hmm. of how as a leader, can I serve you better? How as a leader, can I help you get that next job? Because the truth is uh, you and I might not have the opportunity to work together forever. So how do I provide you the opportunities to uh, allow you to go further in your career and, and support that? I think in both cases, whether it's organizational growth or, or team growth, just looking at it through the lens of there's still work to be done here. There's still things that I need to do. There's learning that I as a manager or I as an individual contributor or I as a, as a part of this organization, uh, there's learning that I need to invest in. Um, right. There's a ton of parallel that you need to do on, on both ends that are, are going to enable you to, to take that next step. And by doing that, President John Kennedy in the United States said, a rising tide raises all ships. And when you're really focused on helping the person, then you're going to help the team as well. When you help the person, you help the team, you're going to help the organization. Am I, when we start to pull that all together. So 
what advice would you say to someone who's in a management leadership role? What advice would you say to them when they say things like, managed by the stick, whatever happened from that? Come on, this, this, this is foo-foo stuff. Yeah, well. What do you say to somebody who's got that mindset? My first instinct would be to say, you shouldn't be managing. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't see that working. Fortunately, we don't have to deal with that too much uh, here at Cotton. But mm -hmm. I, I really, I think, you know, that, that old way of thinking about things, it doesn't work anymore. Because the truth is, the power is shifted to the employees. And there's so much freedom and opportunity out there for people to go and find jobs that excite them. And I, I can only imagine someone being managed like that. Uh, would be your first uh, your first out the door to find a new opportunity. So as a manager, I think if you want to be successful, um, I think the onus is now on you to create a, an atmosphere and environment where uh, your team not only succeeds, but enjoys the work they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a great evolution. I think employees should have the power because ultimately, you know, a job is such a large part of your life. You should find something where um, yeah. you feel that purpose, you feel cared about, um, you feel like, you know, you're being managed in a way where you can, you can learn and, and find opportunities that, you know, bring that career growth that, that you need to uh, ultimately make you excited about coming to work every day. That, that's a great way to put that. I really appreciate the way you phrase that. Let me ask the question. In your career, so not just right now at Cotton as your um, general manager uh, supply chain area, but in your career, What's been your greatest success that you've done? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think for me, my greatest success has been enabling the people under me to, to grow. So, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to manage ind individuals for the last, uh, I'd say, five years now. And I've, I've seen them both under my management and, uh, and afterwards as well do some pretty amazing things. And so this is what I was talking about earlier. You know, if you want to become a manager, uh, you need to be excited about your impact in the future being through the people that you ultimately uh, you ultimately grow and, and cultivate their success. So for me, I'd say my biggest achievement is, has been enabling people to go and do that, uh, whether it's been at, at, at previous companies or here at Cotton. Uh, I've had the, the, the fortunate um perspective of sort of sitting back and seeing people do some pretty amazing things. And while I don't take uh, any credit for that, it feels good to know that I was part of that process. And um, hopefully I can continue to do that for others as well. That's, that's awesome. So I think you may know where my next question is going. We asked you what your greatest success has been. What's been one of your biggest challenges? Um, I think, it, you know, for me, or even a place where you might've failed. Let's face it, being vulnerable is admitting a failure somewhere. So is there a place where you stumbled and you blew it? I would say for me, you know, the flip side of that is what happens when employee manager relationships don't go well and, and ultimately, um, you know, you have to let someone go. And for me, you know, in my career, I've, I've unfortunately had to let uh, three people now go from, from teams I've managed. And I definitely see that as, as an unfortunate, uh, you know, failure yeah. on my part. I think part of being a manager is, is reflecting on every interaction and every, 
every relationship that you've had a part on. Mm -hmm. And while, you know, I don't, uh, I, I try not to beat myself up over all of those experiences and every situation is different and there's, there's things you oh, yeah. can do and can't do. Um, I think it's important to be reflective on that and just uh, look back at how you could have approached things differently and make sure not to make that same mistake again. Um, there you go. I, you, I as I say, you hit the nail spot on because if we make a mistake, it's a great learning point for us as the manager and being able to not make that mistake again and grow. You mentioned earlier about learning, continually learning. And I think that's a great place to try and do that. And if we can learn from that, help others continue to grow with that. That's, that's really key. Let me ask this now. What's left? What's left for Dan to do? What challenges are you still facing at Cotton that you want to try and do from a teamwork leadership culture side? Uh, from a teamwork standpoint, you know, I see Cotton Supply in a position to continue growing quite uh, aggressively over the next couple of years. And I want to create an environment where um, we can we can have opportunities for individuals to have career growth that uh, is, is some of the most exciting in their career. I want people to feel like uh, this opportunity is ultimately what propels them forward and helps them find that, that next opportunity. So I think for me, it's it's how can I be be the leader that I need to be in order to create that environment for people. Uh, it's not an easy task. I think it takes again a lot of uh, personal growth and reflection, and uh, ensuring that we are uh, creating alignment so that everyone understands the goals and in uh, the part they play in in growing cotton. So for me, it's you know how do I be the person to to allow that to happen? Where do I need to invest in in my own personal learning? Uh, mm -hmm. in mentorship for myself in order to be able to do that. Uh, because, you know, it's a, it's a big responsibility and, and one I don't take lightly. And, you know, hopefully when the opportunity, opportunity comes up for me to be able to um, provide that for my team and provide that for individuals working for both cotton and cotton supply, uh, I'm the manager they need to be. And if I'm not, uh, how, how the heck do I get there quickly? <laughs> You mentioned earlier, and we'll kind of get to the point of wrapping up here, but you mentioned earlier management, leadership, mentorship. How do you define the three of them being there? There's some people confuse them. There's gray lines. How do you break it down? So management is the functional act of, of actually overseeing someone's work. Uh, so that's, you know, very much a, a company hierarchy, uh, mm -hmm. systematic concept. Um, mentorship is when you provide sort of gradual teaching and learning to someone in a very informal way. And leadership to me is um, how do you how do you get people to follow your example? How do you get people excited by your actions? Uh, how do you motivate people uh, by doing, by saying, by showing? And so I think there's a there's a relationship between all three of them. I would say for people looking for areas of growth. Uh, within themselves, start with leadership. Uh, finding ways to become a, a strong leader is is difficult. Some people innately are able to do that. Um, you know, some people are, are good at some parts. Some some people are are not so great at others. But find a way to be to become a leader. And if you're not in a position to manage people today, and that's something you ultimately want to work towards, look at how your your team team members look at how your managers look at um, mm -hmm. how your friends and family respond to you. See what works. See, see where your superpowers exist uh, and double down on those. And for the areas where you feel like, hey, you know, it's not having the, the reaction 
or not creating the opportunities that I wanted to, that's, that's where you should be, you should be learning. And so I think by starting to, to grow informally as a leader in the workplace and in your, your everyday life, what that'll allow you to do is, is start to see those management and, and mentorship opportunities pop up at work. Because, uh, you know, when you asked me earlier, how does someone get into management? What advice would you give getting that first job? Yeah. Often those are going to be afforded to people that have really good leadership qualities. And even though they haven't managed before, um, uh, an executive or, you know, someone at your organization can see, hey, this is someone people want to follow. Um, so, so grow those skills that are going to enable you to get those opportunities sooner than later. One of the expressions I've used for years is every team has a leader and it's not always the person that's designated in charge. And we can all prove to be leaders at every level. And that's so powerful. And you've just demonstrated that here about the importance on that. Dan, I want to thank you so much for your time. The Teamwork Advantage, we really appreciate people taking the time to join us here and share their experiences, their successes, their challenges along the way. Uh, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way they can find you? Yeah, so if they're interested about how to work with Cotton Supply, we can be found at cotton.supply, so that's K-O-T-N.supply. Uh, and if they want to connect with me, uh, I am very available on Twitter at uh, Growing Gray, that's G-R-A-Y. Uh, always love to talk to individuals about leadership, growth, or uh, just anything that I may be able to help them with. Awesome. Well, again, I thank you very much for your time today. Teamwork, leadership, and culture is a passion of mine, and getting people in the same areas to join us with that is what this whole podcast is about, helping everybody grow. Dan, hopefully we can get you back here uh, on the podcast in six months, a year from now. And you'll be telling us great things of what Cotton has done and how you've catapulted even more from 60, maybe even 200 employees then. So I can't wait. Yeah. So folks, once a week on the Teamwork Advantage, we share skills with you. And, you know, today, Dan has shared those skills that you can implement immediately within your organization. Whether you're a frontline, mid-level, senior manager, it doesn't matter. Dan has shared those ideas with you. Until next week, when we have another exciting guest joining us on the Teamwork Advantage, remember, having a good day is just being average. When you listen to the Teamwork Advantage, we know you're not average. So go out and make it an excellent and exceptional day. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.